and welcome to Farfetched Stories. My name is R.E.M. Verberg. I'm a fantasy author, and I'm your host on here. Today is episode 3 of The Raven's Toll, To Places Grim and Dark. In episode 2 we learn more about the Raven's past, and why it's pivotal for him to accept his new assignment, even though it goes against everything he stands for. In episode 3 we get to know his new pupil, for better or worse. This episode was edited by Louisa Mitchell and narrated by Diana Moore. Alex Liu provided the music. If you want to know more details about this project or get to know me, please visit remverberg.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. For now, enjoy episode 3. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Raven's Toll, Episode 3, To Places Grim and Dark He traveled on foot, mostly through the night. He liked it that way. With every day he spent in hiding, every night walking by the light of the stars, he felt a piece of his old self returning. Maybe he could do this after all. Usually, he'd visit a city and speak to informants in order to prepare for an assignment, but in this case he didn't need to which was good because there were no big cities left this far southwest. The Vanta Wars had hit hard in Cantel, permanently depleting the landscape and turning most of it into marshes. Only the Cantel mines, deep and largely unexplored, had escaped their fate. The commander he was bound to serve was stationed in these mines, where the Covenant of the White Sun had taken over. The Covenant originated in Sorn, in the east, but over the last years it had crept further and further across Thunya. It was a giant, ravenous beast that fed on mag, an energy source that Sornans made from Magoya fruits. Those fruits didn't grow in Sorn, which was why the Covenant had to fight or buy their access to them. The war they had started over Magoya was the very same one Thetis had fought in, the one that had chewed up her soul. Now, the raven would be on the other side of it, and there was nothing he could do about it. He arrived late in the day, soaked by a miserable, drizzling rain that had followed him all the way from the coast. A shoddy little town sat at the entrance to the mountain, providing entertainment for the troops in the area. The streets were filled with green-skinned Contellian prostitutes, gambling houses, and illegal joints that sold Magoyi powder, an addictive Magoya derivative. The raven made his way through the bustle, his hood up to prevent anyone from seeing his face. Eavesdropping on the right officer quickly pointed him to the upper levels of the mines, below the great city of Conli, where Officer Laos had his quarters. In all of his long life, the raven had never visited the underground city before. It was startlingly beautiful. An entrance as broad as any street and as high as several houses gently led the visitor down. From there, the city unfolded, expanding into intricate buildings and bridges of stone spanning in a massive cave. Each gradually sloping level was underscored with broad columns of mag light. Strange, spindly white plants grew up the walls and in between the buildings. The houses were domes, carved directly from the rock. Once made for whole Contellian clans, 
they now served as mansions for rich covenant officials. The contrast between outside and in struck the raven, in more ways than one. The Contellians had been excluded from the beauty they themselves had created. Forced out of their homes, they'd either been banned to the surface or locked below to mine the gemstones that had quickly become the Covenant's main currency over the last few years. Gemstones bought Magoya, and so the Covenant leveraged them for all they were worth, no matter the cost in human lives. It was always the same, the raven pondered, as he hid between two buildings and swapped his travel cloak for a blood-red one that marked him as an advisor. The Covenant blindly went after the things it wanted and got them by eradicating what stood in its way. As a result, their success took strange shapes. A war on the other side of the world in order to sustain their lifestyle, or a pristine, half-empty city on top of a mining operation. In the past, the Covenant's expansionism had been balanced out by the technological advances they had brought the ravaged continent, but no more. The greedier the Covenant got, the closer it came to disturbing Thunya's balance. This was why he was needed here, in a place he already detested, on his way to meet a man he did not want to serve. The further he descended, the more his resistance grew. On the lowest city levels, near the entrance to the mines, he saw the first slaves. Utils, as the Covenant called them. They were a mix of Contellians, Sornans who'd lost their citizenship, and even some Remian war captives. All of them had full heads of hair. Only Zornans of rank had the right to shave and tattoo parts of their heads. The Utils muttered apologies as they stepped aside, glancing at his red cloak. He donned it on purpose. Sooner or later, people would find out about Laos's new advisor. So from here on out, it was best to hide in plain sight. That did not stop him from feeling vaguely guilty, and he said a quick, quiet prayer for the Utils before moving on. Laos's quarters, along with those of his troops, were situated on the upper level of the mine. The raven took a hoist down, then followed a long tunnel leaning past a gem-sorting station. It was a large, shallow cave from which other tunnels led deeper into the mines. Here, raw lumps of stone were sorted and hoisted onto carts. Soldiers armed with short spears who saluted when he walked past guarded the station. As he passed, it hit him like a blow to the skull. Pain. Exhaustion. Utils working like animals, driven by a blunt urgency, one he recognized. Magoi. The utils were given small doses of it, then deprived. They worked towards their next fix, focusing only on an end to their suffering. He forced himself to watch. These were his new ward's utils. Commander Laos was responsible for their pain. He clenched his jaw, seething, but forcing himself to look. Finally, he turned on his heels and marched towards Laos's living quarters. A small, Zornian util girl let him in. She told him to wait in the hall. When he thanked her and sent her away, she curtsied, golden eyes terrified in her white face. She couldn't be more than eight years old. When she left, he started looking around. Laos's apartment were mostly hewn from walls of the tunnel, and from the outside the place had looked like a grim fortress. The troops' quarters undoubtedly were, but this home was something completely different. Marble lined the walls, interrupted by large, illuminated panels of mag that gave the illusion of windows. Fresh flowers sat on a table, small glassy fish swam in a bowl, it smelled vaguely of spring. 
the raven could only imagine how much mag and human suffering it took to keep this place running. At the sound of voices, he turned. The voices were coming from a hallway, leading away from the entrance. It sounded like two people having an argument, or rather, a man scolding a woman. The raven snuck down the hallway, towards a room at the back, where the voices seemed to be coming from. He knew he shouldn't, but he did. The man, who sounded young and arrogant, was berating the woman. The raven crept closer. You can always go to the mines if you don't like it, the man said. The woman sounded furious. Why? Why would you want this if you can't even stand me? The raven approached the door of the room. It was ajar. He pressed his face to the crack. The person he thought to be a woman was Contellian. As with any Contellian, their stout build and face shape gave no clear hint of gender. Their head was bald, not uncommon for a Contellian, and they wore the coarse linens that marked them as a house util. Next to them, the man looked delicate, almost frail. The sides of his head were shaved and tattooed in gold and red. His curly black hair and pale sornian skin were set off by a burgundy-embroidered surcoat, the mark of his position. Commander Laus. You're petty, the Contellian spat. Laus smirked. Arguably, but at least I know when it's futile to resist. The util made a sound that was close to a sob. I won't do it. Come now, Zori. We both know where this ends. Last gestured towards a blackwood desk. Come, take off your shirt. The raven had heard enough. He reached for the doorknob, then dropped his hand. An image of the sparrow flashed through his mind. Remember, he heard her say. It's not our job to choose sides, only to guard the balance. He turned on his heel and walked away, unheard and unseen, like he could be whenever he chose, closing his ears to whatever went on in the room. If the sparrow was right, he shouldn't interfere, but he also would not serve this man, a tyrant, an abuser. He'd go back and ask the sparrow for a different assignment, something, anything, anything that would let him keep his sanity. He'd just gotten back to the front door when a noise behind him made him turn around. The Contellian util stormed into the entrance hall, followed closely by Laos. The commander, tall and regal, walked in as if taking a pleasant afternoon stroll. Right, sorry, he said amicably. Ten days mining duty for you, and a lashing. The util spun around to face him. In spite of crying with anger, they didn't look broken. In fact, with their fierce black eyes and strong shoulders, they resembled a warrior more than anything. Fine, it can't be worse than this, they hissed. The commander was about to reply when he caught sight of the raven. Angry red spots appeared on his high cheeks. Who are you? And how did you get in here? Guards! The raven ignored Luffs, reaching for the doorknob, and a sudden urge spiked through him, a need as dire and pure as life itself. It compelled him to look up past the commander, to Zori. Help me. It wasn't a conscious signal, no more than the crying of a fox caught in a trap. Just a pure, wild need for life Zori cast around them like a net. It was only because the raven was who he was that the net struck him. Images tumbled through his mind. The quiet, desolate beauty of Kan Lee, the utils working in the mines, the sparrow standing next to him on a burning hill, and Thetis. Thetis in the prison barge, leaving the White Tower. Thetis, a tiny figure, swallowed by waves. From a corridor on the left, two Contellian guards approached him in slow motion. 
Blast spoke angry words, which the raven did not hear. In a single instant, he saw all their future moves hanging expectantly in the air. It would be no problem to get away. Except he wasn't going to. Apologies, he said. I'm afraid there has been a misunderstanding. When Laos held up his hand, signaling for the guards to stop, the raven took one last look at Zori. Then he turned away from them and smiled at the commander. Pleased to meet you, sir, he heard himself say. I am your new advisor.'